Hey folks, quick story for you. Have you heard about Imagine Golf? If you haven't, I would encourage you to go into the App Store, search Imagine Golf, and join the over 200,000 golfers around the world who have made this a part of their daily ritual to improve their golf game. A few months ago, I was introduced to a gentleman named Malcolm Scoville. He's the visionary behind the app. Malcolm has worked with other great uh, meditation-based apps like Calm, and he's bringing that expertise into the world of golf, which is something he's very passionate about. Malcolm and I connected. I've loved hearing his story. And the coolest thing to me about this mission that he's on is that he every day wakes up thinking, how can I help change the outcomes for people, both in golf and in their lives, through an improved mental game? It's a really cool app. They do these really fantastic three-minute daily drive lessons that you can just you know listen to when you're either on your way to work or nowadays just maybe taking the dog for a walk who knows or how about when you're out on the putting green or the driving range it's available to you at any time it's uh, free to download seven day no commitment trial uh, you can still listen to it even if you don't do the paid subscription. Although, I would tell you, go in and unlock that door. You will not regret it. Malcolm and his team have done just an excellent job of curating uh, the kinds of things that you need to be hearing to improve your mental game on a daily basis. I do it. I love it. You know me. I like to get into the spiritual side of golf, as does Malcolm, and as do all of those who are contributing to the app. I think you're really going to like it, folks. Go and check out Imagine Golf. And as my friend Malcolm likes to say, keep imagining what's possible. Hey there, friends. Jay Revel here. Welcome to another edition of Mid-Am Crisis. It is good to be back with you after a brief hiatus. Uh, I'm sorry to leave you hanging, but I had to go spend five days in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And uh, for those of you in the know who have spent time in the North Carolina Sandhills, uh, you'll know exactly how, uh, well, on one hand, depressed I am that <laughs> that trip is over. But on the other hand, just how uh, exhilarating a few days at that great resort and those great communities uh, can really leave you. Uh, I, I just have been working on this trip. We took 24 guys up there. It was an incredible time. Been working on it for months. A lot of buildup, a lot of excitement, and then just just to get back there, to be there uh, with so many close friends and enjoying just all the incredible golf offerings that are available in Pinehurst was such a special treat. Uh, And while I was there, I got to run into my good friend Tom Pashley, who is the president of the Pinehurst Resort. If you don't know Tom, I would encourage you uh, to look him up because he's probably one of the great uh, thought leaders and innovators in the golf uh, industry today, in my opinion, what he has done since taking over uh, the day-to-day operations of the resort uh, in 2014 is really remarkable. I mean, Pinehurst has always been a legendary place for golfers to visit, but they've really taken it up a notch. And to be frank, I think they have elevated the entire industry in doing so. Things like uh, the development of the cradle, one of the best nine holes and 10 acres. It's really just a golf playground. Uh, when you think about it, the, uh, renovation of Pinehurst number four, the continued, um, you know, just 
incredible uh, things happening on Pinehurst Number Two, one of the great go- championship golf courses here in the United States. They had obviously uh, the U.S. Amateur there a couple of years ago, which was a huge deal. Um, and then you look at what's happening with even you know one of the shorter courses like Pinehurst Number Three that has its own unique branding and identity. Uh, and has become a real hit for a lot of people traveling to that resort. Uh, then when you add on top of it just the amount of engagement that Tom and his team have helped produce by you know, bringing in various influential voices in the games and beautiful, talented creators who come there and spend time there and uh, enjoy the resort, it's really just incredible. They have become the model, I believe, um, for what a uh, long-time existing golf resort needs to do to stay relevant. Uh, in this new century. And uh, a lot of it is due to Tom and, and the vision that he and the ownership have had there uh, and their ability to execute. And I just have enjoyed the opportunity to get to know him this year. Uh, this is actually was my second trip to Pinehurst this year, which I consider myself very, very lucky for that. Uh, on my first trip, I got a chance to have dinner with Tom uh, and get to know him a little bit and, and talk a lot about the resort. And then while I was up there with my gang uh, last week, I had the chance to speak with him a little bit again, and he was kind enough to give me some time uh, to come on the podcast and have a more in-depth discussion about all things Pinehurst and everything that's going on there and a lot of things that are still to come. Uh, You've probably seen the news about the USGA setting up their second headquarters in Pinehurst, making Pinehurst uh, a U.S. Open anchor site. All of those things get touched on in this conversation uh, that Tom and I had uh, this week. Again, some great fun recapping of my trip, obviously. Uh, but on top of that, we talked extensively about life behind the pine curtain, if you will. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've got him working on trying to figure out, you know, how to convince my wife to move up there. But all those things are in the works. And uh, we dive into a little bit of all that in this discussion. Tom is a great guy. He's so generous with his time. And just, you know, if you saw him walking around the resort, you just think he was another happy customer because uh, he's always got a smile on his face. He's very outgoing and he's just someone who you can tell loves golf. He loves Pinehurst and he loves the work that he gets to do every day. And really, that's all any of us could ever hope to be. And uh, he's a family man, again, someone who just, you know, is always quick to uh, go out of his way to uh, make sure that everyone's having a hospitable experience when on property. And he does it extremely well. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to my conversation with Tom Pashley, president of Pinehurst Resort. I think you're really going to like this one, folks. And if you haven't been to Pinehurst, now is a really good time to book your trip. Tom. Jay. How are you, my man? I'm great. How are you Super. doing? Man, I'm, I'm doing as good as I can coming off of, you know, five days at your wonderful resort. Um, you know, I'm, uh, Really crashing, burning, sliding into the guardrails. Uh, really could use a struggle bus driver, but you know I'm all I got. So well, making do, it. Do you agree that I, I've told people I think the the anticipation of the golf trip and, and all the pre trip stuff is almost half the fun. And so oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, and then the trip is the second half, and then 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 you go through the morning phase. So oh yeah, yeah for sure. We were you know so let's see. I went up there. I left Tallahassee. It's 6 a.m. Uh, the flight was at 6 a.m. I left my house at about quarter to five. 
Um, we've got, by the way, if you ever need a great airport, you know, Tallahassee's it. I mean, you can go curb to gate in about five minutes. But wow. Um, so, you know, left the house about a quarter to five Wednesday morning, which happened to be my birthday. And my wife texted me an hour later and just said, I hope you have a great day. You seem very excited to leave this <laughs> behind. <you know? laughs> and, uh, we were, we were pretty pumped. We have, we happen to have three guys every year whose birthdays are on consecutive days in that first oh, week wow. of June. And that's always the week we take the trip. So the three of us take our, our birthday chips and our, our father's <laughs> day chips and push them all out on the table and just really milk it for all it's worth. So, um, of course, you know, we, we pay for it severely on the back end, but, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, you know, we, there were a lot of lunches and text thread conversations, you know, leading up to the trip, getting everybody pretty jacked up. And, you know, when you're there, you're just on cloud nine and then, you know, and then you have to wake up on Sunday morning and start kind of, you know, facing reality, but yeah, and neat that you can. I, I had never considered, you know, parlaying two two occasions like birthday and Father's Day into. It's good timing to having your birthday that close to be able to get a two for one. Oh man, I look. I'm I'm all about trying to you know connive my way into <laughs> you know, any bonus golf trip I can. But uh, you know, it's um, it's been a fortunate year. I got you know the chance to go up there. Uh, well, we got to hang out a little bit back in March and. Right. Um, you know, to come back again a few months later to have, you know, two trips to Pinehurst and one season essentially is just, you know, my, I'm really pressing my luck. So <laughs> I got a feeling my, uh, my, my things are going to turn south from here, but, uh, we'll see. Um, I'll tell you, man, it, we just had such an outstanding experience. Your team, uh, we had 24 guys that went up and your team was so good and so easy to work with from day one. Uh, and then obviously, you know, being on the ground, I, I, I commend you because, you know, <laughs> it, there were so many people up there and, and there wasn't a, a frown on any face. And, you know, there's a lot of ping pong and it happens on some of those greens. So uh, if you can keep people <laughs> smiling through all that, you're doing a lot of things right. Well, 20, 24 is a, that's admirable that you, you took the helm on a group that large. That's a lot of logistics and mechanics and, and preparation on your part. But it, you know, I think, I think we do those, those size groups. Well, it's nice to, you know, the shuttle system, which is maybe something that we underrate, uh, you know, allows people to get where they need to get when they do. So you don't have cars flying around everywhere. And uh, anyhow, I, I appreciate your comments on the team and the logistics because, because uh, we work real hard at it, and it's good to know that it, it, it works in, in practice. Yeah, they, they, they really did a great job, and, then, and we're very flexible. You know, we kind of were dragging a little bit, trying to get on the cradle Saturday afternoon, and then we took, you know, <laughs> we had a shootout out there on the cradle with 15 guys uh, in it, and, uh, you know, I can tell – I didn't know if Kurt wanted to, you know, <laughs> slap me around a little bit, but uh, – uh, I, I got a very nice note from him yesterday, you know, telling me that, uh, how much he enjoyed, you know, kind of watching all that. And I think we put on a little bit of entertainment for some of the other guests, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was fun. Yeah. I, I tell you the one that blows my mind is how y'all can move the physical golf bags around as well as you do. You know, I mean, just, they just kind of magically show up <laughs> wherever you need them to be. You know? Yeah. That, I see that a lot. And people, people appreciate that. It is a, a place where however you get here, whether you take a shuttle or a car, once, once you're here, you just kind of, you stop worrying about logistics and, and your bag, you know, magically shows up where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and you're not having to get in and out of your car. Um, 
so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's underrated, I guess the, the logistic side of things, you're really here to play golf and you just don't want any other, any other thing holding you back. And, and so we try to prevent distractions and make it look seamless. Although there's a lot of you know planning and, and effort that goes into it. Well, when I, when I saw you last up there on, uh, let's see, I guess it was Saturday afternoon, you were out there rolling the rock a little bit and had a big smile on your face too. Uh, <laughs> I have to imagine, you know, it's a pretty cool feeling to look out upon those grounds and, and see so many people having so much fun. Um, you know, so, so the question I might maybe kind of get things rolling is how does, how does one get to that position? How, what, what, what was your personal journey like to get to a place where, you know, you're uh, as, as I introduce you to my brother, the guy who's got the uh, cradle playlist on his phone. <laughs> oh, that was, that, that was impressive. When, <laughs> you know, I don't think he quite knew what to do with that either. It, mm -mm. It, uh, he was a little flat footed, um, <laughs> but no, I, I am, you know, very fortunate to, to be the president of Pinehurst and uh, never, never imagined that this would be an opportunity for me. I, I started out, uh, well, I, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, first of all. So I, I was in the shadows of, of a, of a well-known golf facility and a very uh, popular annual tournament. Um, and so that, that I think somewhat influenced, you know, my, my interest in golf to see every spring back then it was, you know, white Cadillacs driving around town and you're trying to peer inside the window to see who it is. And, you know, you know our neighbors, a couple of houses down, rented their house out to Gary player one year, a year that he won the masters. And we got to go back to that house after he'd left and he had left behind gloves and tees and balls. And we were, you know, in awe of, of these relics that were left <laughs> behind. So, so I grew up a little bit around golf um, there in Augusta, uh, played municipal golf at the Cabbage Patch and Forest Hills uh, for people who know Augusta golf. And, and uh, then I went, went to uh, college and, and was an accounting major and became a CPA when I graduated from University of Georgia. Uh, and worked in public accounting for a couple of years, decided that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, went to graduate school at Duke's Fuqua School of Business. And really, that, that's where things began to happen that opened golf doors for me. I, uh, I was adamant that I wanted to try to pursue a, a career in, in the golf industry. So I was going down dead ends here and there, and, and I ended up meeting the men's golf coach, Rod Myers, at Duke and uh, asked him if there was any way I could help him, you know, with the golf team and, and clearly not, not on any sort of instructional level, but more on, <laughs> a, on an administrative level where there are things I could do. So Rod Myers at Duke smiled upon me and, and allowed me to become his graduate assistant coach. And, and really what he had me do was try to help recruit a little bit. Um, and so that, that opened doors. Now I, I was able to put graduate assistant golf coach uh, on my resume and, and I tried different avenues with golf equipment manufacturers and continued to, to struggle with some of those. But in the end, I met the president of Pinehurst at the time, back in 1995, I guess huh. it was. And uh, Rod Myers introduced me to him and came down here for an interview. And, uh, and they created a position for me at the time that allowed me to spend a year going through every department that is at Pinehurst, whether it's the front desk or the kitchen or the golf maintenance team. So I got to spend a year kind of watching, observing and learning. Um, and when that ended, I started working on the, the team that ran the 1999 U S open. 
Um, so anyhow, I got involved at Pinehurst, uh, you know, right out of right out of business school, and had the opportunity to work on U.S. Opens, and I became the director of marketing, uh, and then head of sales and marketing. And then after the 2014 U.S. Open, my predecessor Don Paget retired, and uh, I moved into the president job. So, uh, you know, I again, I just feel very fortunate and privileged that my passion for golf uh, has been able to combine with with my career. Um, I glossed over Jay. I, I'm feeling like I'm going on too long about this. <laughs> no, I, no, it's good. I glossed over the fact that it in when I graduated from high school, my parents sent my brother and I on a golf trip. He's two years older than I am. Uh-huh. And, and he chose the destination and he chose Pinehurst and I had never heard of Pinehurst back, wow. back then. And, uh, and so we came here, you know, right out of high school, in 1987. And, uh, we, we'd laugh about checking in at the Carolina hotel and reconfirming our dinner reservations. And they said, you know, well, jackets are required in the Carolina dining room. And we said, Oh, oh sure. Of course. And, uh, we had no jackets and we, we panicked and, <laughs> <laughs> but the, luckily back then they had a coat closet in the, uh, in the lobby bathroom and we, we got two ill-fitting, you know, plaid jackets and, and kept them <laughs> with us. So I, I kind of developed my, my passion and my love for Piners back then in 1987 when I was, you know, again, a, a, a golf fan but i didn't really know good golf and we came here and you know we're taking rolls of film on every golf course that we played and it was uh it was neat to to learn more about the history that's happened at pinehurst um and to be with my brother who uh who is a better player than i am but who kind of helped you know share his passion for golf with me and so anyhow that that that's how pinehurst inserted into all of that was that i knew that this was a special place and it was a place i had been as a guest and so I think that helps as I, as I always try to put my, my, my self in the shoes of the guest and look at things from the guest perspective. I, I was one once and, and uh, I think that helps guide some of the decisions that I, I make on a daily basis. You know, it's funny. There, there is a, there's a very distinct sense of place there. Um, I was describing it to some of the guys who had, uh, who had not been there before. Um, when we were getting you know, geared up and getting ready to go. And I said, you know, there's a lot of great golf resorts out there. We've been to a lot of them. But there's something different about Pinehurst. And I think it's part of it is, you know, it's the, the village, um, the, the quaintness of it. It, it feels like a, uh, a town that just happens to be completely, you know, infatuated with golf. Um, which is rare, you know, I, I'm just not sure there's, you know, obviously you go, you hear people talk about Pinehurst being the St. Andrews of, of the States or the home of American golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't, I have never found another community in the United States that is so directly tied um, to golf. And to me, that, that is one of the things that I find so intoxicating about it. Like Sunday morning, I woke up and this is like one of the things you know, even though I had to leave that day, you know, we got late checkout and late flights. And one of the reasons I did that is I wanted to go on foot and just take, you know, a couple of hours and just walk everywhere. And, you know, I, I, I went for this walk through the village and, and, you know, up and down some of these really cool, you know, quaint, quiet streets and the birds were chirping. And I didn't really know where I was going. I was just kind of exploring, you know, uh, getting lost for fun. And, I, I end up popping back out on Midland Road right there um, 
on, let's see, I guess that would be between, you know, number two green and number three T on number two. And I, I just kind of, you know, sort of snuck my way back on the golf course and walked <laughs> up two and one, you know, on a Sunday morning and the church bells are ringing. Um, and I'm watching these guys go out for their morning round and, you know, kind of observing them through the pines. And I just, I'm just smitten with it, man. I, I, that, you know, yeah. that whole scene is just so unique to me. I just, I just haven't found anywhere else that has whatever that quality is. <laughs> and, um, I just find the whole thing to be fabulous. So I, I can get how you could get sucked in and end up spending a whole career there. Well, it's funny hearing you say that, how you, you kind of meandered, I think might have been the word you used. And, mm-hmm. and it's the, the village of Piners was designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, who did mm-hmm. Central Park and, and built more the state. And so he really did design it to, to have this curved linear, these streets that mm-hmm. that wind. And, and I like to think, you know, there's around every corner, there's this sense of discovery. And, mm-hmm. and so you, you can, you can, you feel like you get turned around, but you never get too far from, from the middle, but it is that meandering sense of discovery that makes you, you know, continue to the next street corner to see what, what's behind that curve and behind that hedge. Um, and what you said about it, you know, I, there are locals in Pinehurst and, and so it is a place, it's a real place. It's a, it is a village. Um, and so, you know, one of the questions people always ask when you're out playing number two or when you get around the housing people, you know, how, what, how much does a house like that cost? So I think people begin to imagine themselves here. You know, you're like, Hey, I could retire here. This would be, a, oh, yeah. this would be a dream. So I think, I think that is one part of Piners that does make it unique compared to some other destinations. That it's a real town that has locals in it that you see. And it's not just, you know, it's not just a resort. It is a community. Um, and, and you can envision yourself, one day retiring here so yeah it's funny you you brought up the Olmstead brothers you know so when I was in graduate school I I started off in urban and regional planning and I quickly realized the world had enough planners and uh, my skills could be better used in a, in a different um, arena but I took a class it's probably one of my favorite classes I ever took it's called streets in the shaping of towns and cities Wow. And uh, we studied the the Olmsted brothers quite a bit, and it's funny. I, I I think that is one of the reasons that I just adore that whole place. Is it it's it's very intentional. All of that is you know intentional from the onset. You know, at the founding of the community and the resort, and and today I can still see uh, a whole different kind of intention that comes through. Which you know I think a lot of that is you know credit to your vision and the vision of the you know the organization and. Um, yeah, again, standing there with you on the putting green, you look out, you've got, you know, people on the thistle dew course, you know, having the time of their life. The cradle's completely bumping with people and groups going off four, groups going off three, groups going off one, groups going off. Just, it's just an amazing saturation of, of, of golf atmosphere. It, it, it really is incredible. Um, not to gush on your place too much, but I, I just, I, I'm sure you don't get too tired of it. No, I'm I'm chuckling and laughing, and and it is, you know, there, there's there's just you know for people, if you like to people watch, you know, people watching is an activity in and of itself, and you can just sit on that porch, uh, at the main clubhouse and and see it, and like you said earlier, there's a smile on everybody's face. They're where they want to be. They've been thinking about coming here, um, and and then you can contrast it though with going out to like a number eight, uh, which is only five minutes away. Yeah from the main clubhouse, but suddenly 
you go from from hustle and bustle at the main clubhouse and then you can go out to to Piners number eight where you're in you know an Audubon sanctuary out there you, you've got no houses around the golf course you've got one clubhouse you know it, it's a place where you can you can hear the sounds of nature the birds are chirping some wildlife so it, it's it's nice to have you know the 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 center hub of activity here at the main clubhouse, but then it's a nice change of pace when you can go out to the outlying courses as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, it was, it was funny for us, you know, I, I think when you're up there in that environment, obviously there are crowds, but it never feels crowded to me, but I, I, you know, kind of doing a debrief after our trip, I think a lot of guys really gravitated to, we had this just quiet Friday afternoon out at number eight and basically had the place to ourselves. Uh, at the end of the day, the sun's going down. We're sitting there watching our groups come up on 18 right there. And a lot of guys you know, mentioned to me how much they enjoy that experience just because it gave us a chance to just be, you know, on our own. And I thought, I, again, I think what's so cool about the resort is that you have so many different vignettes of, of ex- golf experiences that you can go and enjoy kind of no matter what your flavor is. Um, there's, there's a lot to sample there, just like the buffet at the Carolina every morning. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine you might have had to go up a, a belt loop, um, uh, although although you're walking a lot, so so you're, you're burning it off during the day. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I walked, you know, probably 60,000, 70,000 steps over five days and <laughs> okay. still, still gained weight, which is impressive. <laughs> um, well, you know, Tom, how would you, you know, obviously 2020 was a very – challenging year but it also has spun off some very interesting results in the golf industry um yeah resort seemed pretty packed the other day how 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 has that journey been i'm sure you probably had some pretty quiet and dark days around there when the pandemic first kicked off but you know could you paint me a picture of what things were like then and and what we've you know emerged into these days yeah, th- uh, yeah, and you're right. It's 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 amazing to see how how far we've come in such a short amount of time uh, to be enjoying the business levels we are right now. We we couldn't have anticipated that last March when, uh, you know, the big the big moment for us was when we chose to close down our our hotels. We have three hotels. You mentioned the Carolina, the the Holly Inn, and the Manor. Um, and as, as there was just so much uncertainty and, and restaurants were closing, uh, we just felt it was the right time and the right thing to do to, to go ahead and close the hotels, although golf remained open. Uh, so our hotels were closed for two, two and a half months. Uh, and then we, we reopened in, in June um, and pretty quickly began to see the golfers returning, you know, the outdoor social distancing, all those things that played into golf's favor were, were being experienced here. And, and we had, a very busy fall from a leisure travel standpoint. The, the one thing that maybe a lot of listeners may not know about our, our business here is that we do have a lot of meeting space over at the Carolina Hotel. So we do have a pretty significant amount of corporate gatherings that happen here in addition to the leisure travel. And clearly the corporate gatherings had, had ended. Um, and so normally that's about half of our business. So we didn't have any of that going on, but the golfers were, were filling up the rooms and filling up the golf courses in the fall. And so we were seeing very positive signs and then the, the spring came and uh, it's just been, it's been nonstop really. Um, and I, I think, you know, golf is, 
your ability to participate in golf has a lot of different factors, but time and money are, are two of the big ones. And, and I think people, you know, regained a lot of control over their time uh, during the pandemic and they didn't spend a lot of their money on other things uh, that they might've had planned otherwise. I know for me as a, a parent, all my kids travel sports ended. We weren't going to all these different trips that we normally did. So, so we found ourselves with more time and more money. And I think that the, the, the byproduct of that is that now people are beginning to travel and they're playing this golf and, and we've seen so much more, um, so much more of a youth movement as well. Our, our, our average age seems to have dropped by 10 years uh, compared hmm. to what we used to experience in a, in a normal spring. Um, and that's been refreshing. I think there, there was a time when, when Pinehurst was kind of considered, uh, you know, the, the historic destination that, that the older crowd enjoyed coming to. And, and we never want to lose that. We always, we always have that. We want to respect the traditions of the game. But now I'm seeing where as a parent used to, used to bring their child to Pinehurst and say, look at these trophies. Now the kids are bringing the parents and say, hmm. look at this place. Um, so anyhow, the, the pandemic definitely did. You know, we had we had our dark days, but we were able to rally and, and do some great things uh, from an auction standpoint and and saw how how much the golf world was rooting for Pinehurst to get through it. Um, and, and now we're on the other side and, and we're we're just overwhelmed by by the number of people that are coming here on a daily basis and enjoying being outside and enjoying just like you and your, your 23 other guys did. Um, and, and sandwiched in there and I know you'll get into it, uh, but sandwiched into the last year during the, some of the challenging times we, we had the big announcement about, yeah. uh, about the future of, of the USJ's presence at Pinehurst. So we, we did have, you know, it really was a roller coaster ride that had, had some valleys, but it also had a lot of peaks. You know, I've always, I've always really enjoyed talking with, working with visionary leadership. Um, I, and it, when I have someone on the podcast, you know, I always like to give them a Google just to see what comes up, right? You never know what kind of fun things you might find about someone. Um, sometimes that make people shudder. But uh, <laughs> when, I, when I Googled you the other day uh, in, in, in preparation for this conversation, I actually found an interview, I guess, with a local news outlet that you did right when you were ascending to become the president. And it was just on the heels of the 2014, you know, uh, back-to-back U.S. Opens with the men and women. And it's funny because you mentioned some of the things that you just mentioned now, right, about making sure that Pinehurst is a place that future generations want to come, you know, to, that they seek out. Uh, And then also, you know, looking to get more USGA, you know, events here. And now, you know, again, you've got this, you know, a few years down the road, here we are with uh, a cradle experience that is, you know, built for people of all ages and just, you know, one of the most fun 10 acres that you can have in the golf world. You have all these amazing things happening. And now you've got this announcement last year with the USGA uh, making Pinehurst an anchor site for uh, the U.S. Open Championships. I, I just, you know, tip of the cap to you because it sounded like, you know, everything you mentioned in that interview uh, back then is, is coming to fruition. So, so how did that all come about? How did you, how did you pull that off? <laughs> well, it's funny. You mentioned that, um, that interview. And I, I think I can recall it where, you know, one of the, one of the things I've said over the years is that, you know, we don't want Pinehurst to be a time capsule and, and it's a, it's, it's never a place we want to people, people to say, Oh, that place used to be great. This guy won there. And, and, 
and uh, and stop being relevant. And I, I don't think I have to say that much anymore. You know, we have we have convinced people that that it's not it's not a time capsule. Um, you know, we're we're very fortunate, Jay. When you ask how did we do it, um, it, it starts with our owners and the Deadman family has owned Pinehurst really since 1984, and. Uh, the Deadman family also founded Club Corporation of America, CCA Club Corp, and and had that company uh, that Pinehurst was part of. They used to have the Homestead Resort, Barton Creek Resort, um, but the the family sold Club Corp in 2006, but retained us. So we're, we're they kept Pinehurst because it was that special to them, and they wanted to continue to be stewards of it. So it it kind of starts with having the right the right attitude and the right uh, philosophy of ownership. And they really do view themselves as stewards of Pinehurst, you know, for future generations and not just, you know, a, a company trying to seek a return on an annual basis. So uh, Bob Dedman, my boss, you know, has a vision for what he wants Pinehurst to be. And, and he wants it to be a golf playground and a, a golf heaven on earth, if you will. And I think um, th- that helps, that helps us, as we we think through all these different options and uh, try to decide what's best, something as simple as the cradle, you know, that that looks so obvious now um, that it's on 10 acres. You know, we've got thousands of acres of land <laughs> and on on that on that one little spot, you know, that one little uh, plot of 10 acres. Uh, we've been able to do something that has done more, in my opinion, to kind of transform the 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 perception of Piners than anything we've done, you know, in the last couple of decades so we've got great ownership great vision and uh and an, and an appetite to continue innovating you know it, it isn't it's not over uh we want to continue to to improve continue to innovate uh something something like our our, our brewery piners brewing company you know what what we're able to do is lean on our history so you go back to another big success was the restoration of Piners number two. And, and I think what made that so successful was that we were going back to what we Mm -hmm. used to be. And so, you know, people ask, is that going to, is that going to drive your decisions in the future? And we were kind of like, not necessarily, we were going back to something. Um, But, but taking our old original steam plant building in the, in the village of Piners and repurposing it as a a modern day brewery and, and, and restaurant, uh, connects well with people. So, you know, going back to our past to help guide our future is, is one of the, one of the things that we try to focus on to have, to have inspiration or, or innovation, but to have it be inspired innovation, inspired by something perhaps that comes from, from the past. Yeah. And it, it certainly seems to be working. You know, I, <laughs> I, I admire that approach because I think about, you know, sort of the jewels of the resort, perhaps when you talk about the full golf courses, you obviously have number two, which is just an incredible, um, you know, it's, it's not a, um, that course to me is, is very low key and, um, brilliant in it's subtle, um, <laughs> subtle ways of rejecting you. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a, it's just a brilliant golf course and the way that it's being presented today is, is, is just an incredible thing to, to behold. But then, you know, you, you go just a few hundred yards away and you're on number four, which is just this, like, I don't know, this feels like this eighties power ballad inspired by, you know, number two, right. I mean, it's just, it's just really rocks. That is an incredible piece of property and what an adventure that golf course is, you know, take you around and, 
you know, I, and, I, and I think, you know, pretty bold of you guys to go and, and take a, you know, what, what I assume was probably a reasonably successful golf course to begin with um, and let Gil go, uh, you know, get on the dozer and turn his Grateful <laughs> Dead on and go to go to town. Um, but man, that, I, I, I was really blown away with number four. How did, how, how has that been? You know, I mean, I know again, when you pull the trigger on some of that, you got a lot of dynamics in play because not only do you have guests that are coming, uh, but you got a membership that's pretty significant too, that you have to, to work around. So how does that, how does that all that work when you're trying to move those needles in new directions? Yeah. The, you know, number four is an interesting one and you're right. It, it was a, a well-regarded, you know, redo of a, you know, a, Donald Ross did the original four and then it went through several different machinations and, and uh, the, the most recent being a Tom Fazio golf course that debuted in 1999, I think. Um, and so deciding that we wanted to, to alter it uh, was a little counterintuitive. Um, and, and it really began with the restoration of Piners number two. That was so well received and took it back to that Sand Hills aesthetic of wiregrass, sandy, you know, natural areas that suddenly number four being a neighbor to this more natural number two, number four began to feel uh, different. Didn't feel like it, it, it had as much uh, kinship to its, its neighbor next door. And so uh, we felt like it was time to, to relook at number four and, and, and Gil uh, came in and really wanted to, he wanted to put the, the land back to where it naturally sat. Some of it had been moved over the many different iterations of that golf course. And Gil started just by pushing the land back to where it was supposed to be. And then we'll begin, begin shaping it. But for the most part, the corridors were all intact and he, he, you know, didn't create too many, he'd created two new holes, I guess, with new corridors. Um, but we wanted it to be a better companion to Piners number two. And when you play number two and then you look across the distance and you see four sitting over there, it feels like a proper uh, family member. And, mm -hmm. and he, he was you know wildly successful. And, but like I said, a lot of people love the old number four, but we just felt like from a, a cohesiveness standpoint, it was, it was not being cohesive with the, what we were kind of considering the original four, the Ross original four golf courses, we think need to have a, a shared lineage and a shared DNA that, that they had, they it had skipped a generation. It seemed <laughs> um, mm -hmm. by having number four, what it was. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work went into that. And, and you did mention um, a lot of, you know, just factors that we have, we've got tournaments uh, happening every year. We've got membership that have, you know, needs and demands to play our different golf courses so it is a balancing act to uh to keep everybody happy but but what happened with number four by the way when it debuted um we were hosting the u.s amateur in 2019 and so the usga played stroke play on number two and number four and then match play was played all all week on number two but when they had the final two people in the finals of of match play 36 hole final they played the morning round on number four and then the afternoon round on number two and it was the first time they had kind of deviated from playing 36 holes on the same golf course so that was a big you know shot in the arm to us that they thought enough of piners number four that it was worthy of, of hosting a national amateur that that early in its career so 
It's great, Jay, to have, you know, a, a number four now that when I go in the, the deuce and listen to golfers kind of bantering about, you know, what's your favorite one? Which one did you like better? Number two used to be the obvious choice, you know, uh-huh. the history and all the championships. It was just easy to default to number two. But I really enjoy hearing the, the more spirited debate now uh, of people trying to decide, did they like two or four better? It's a it's a dialogue that didn't used to exist. And we're, we're, we're we love hearing it at this point. Yeah, it's a very good problem to have if you got people trying to debate between uh, you know two of your babies. I mean, they're they're both they're just both fantastic, and I, I think our guys were were pretty smitten on on all fronts there. Um, which you know takes me to the the question: What's next? Uh, you know, you've got you got nine golf courses out there. Obviously, some of them you probably are pretty happy with, but um, you know, do you do you have some inclinations as to if there are other um, projects along those lines coming soon yeah you know number number eight is is 25 plus years old and so we 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 intend to close number eight next summer and just go in and and do some some cleanup work kind of give it some some tlc uh really over the years it's it's uh the bunkering has, has aged and the fairways have got a lot of organic material. So we're going to go in and try to try to make number eight play firmer and faster. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be shut down for one summer and, and do a lot of work to kind of give it, uh, you know, a little attention after 25 years. So that that's more cosmetic, but with firm and fast is kind of the philosophy that we're trying to embrace out there. Um, and the, the good news is, again, about thinking of what's next is we're, we're sitting on 900 acres. Uh, a lot of your, listeners probably are familiar with the old course called the pit Mm -hmm. um, down the road. And so, I don't know, it's probably going on 10 years or so that the pit closed and we acquired it after it had been shut down for several months. And and we also owned 700 acres of land that kind of surround it. And so we now have 900 acres plus that are, that are all contiguous. And uh, that allows us to dream (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and think about what, what could it be? And I, you know, so Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw back when they were working on number two uh, went down and looked at that land and they on paper routed a golf course that they, they think could be pretty special. Um, And we've just been sitting on that routing for, for, you know, almost a decade. Uh, But now with all the renewed interest and the business levels that we're seeing, uh, we're having more significant conversations about what what we're going to do down there, and people have really embraced, you know, the cradle and the our putting course. This will do. So we we want to figure out, you know, what is the next the next chapter, <laughs> and what is what is the what is a mashup, if you will, between the cradle and this will do, and a another golf course perhaps, or some some short loops. You know, is it a couple six hole loops? We don't know exactly what we want to do, but. But we have, you know, the, the field of dreams down there to, to think about it. Um, so we're we're having fun uh, dreaming about it. And uh, we're going to work with, you know, smart people and uh, and creative people to figure out where we go. Uh, you know, in the meantime, we're preparing to, to host the national championship in 2024 and, and every five to six years from that point forward. So uh, the nice thing is to, to do that, we don't have to do a lot because Piners number two, uh, doesn't really need to change. It's it's as close as you can come to playing a U.S. Open setup every day. That doesn't need rough grown up or fairways narrowed. Uh, all we do for the Open is you know firm up the greens and and speed them up a little bit, which thankfully we don't have to endure on a daily basis. But <laughs> but um, so you know getting ready for the next the next U.S. Open and all that comes with that is certainly on the list. And and I guess last but not least is uh, we're also 
considering uh, putting a small hotel uh, that would have a view of the cradle, believe it or not, you know, we're, we're one of the largest golf resorts in the world and, and we don't have any rooms with a golf view. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're thinking about trying to solve that, that dilemma, um, <laughs> by, by building a potentially a 34 room lodge that would overlook the cradle and, uh, could also, uh, have some functionality during the U S opens. Now that we're going to have uh U S opens on a regular basis, maybe a, a permanent player locker room type facility that could go there. Uh, the, the cradle becomes the U S open practice facility during the week of an open. So we really see some synergy between having a locker room right there and letting players walk right out onto the cradle and begin warming up, uh, as they move their way onto the putting green and then over to the first tee. So we've got plenty on our plate. We, we've accomplished a lot over the last five to seven years, but we've, <laughs> it feels like we've got an equal amount to, to do going forward, which is exciting and great news. But one of the neat things, every time you come to Piners, there's always something a little bit different. You may not necessarily be able to put your finger on it, but it, it could be the, the cradle pavilion or it could be a new, you know, a new restaurant or whatever it's going to be. But there's always you know, our goal is to always have something new for you to, to experience when you come. Well, I, I think, you know, there, you don't have to twist my arm too hard to get me back, but, um, you know, I'll, rattling off that list of, uh, uh, of, you know, wonderful ideas makes me, uh, you know, really want to start you know, calling my booking agent again. Um, you know, it's, you, you were talking about working with creative people. Um, one of my favorite things that I've seen you guys do, and this might be for, for some, maybe like, you know, kind of a couple of layers more inside, but, um, I'm friends with Ian Gilly and Harrison and the guys at Sugarloaf um, Social Club and Sugarloaf Creative Lab. And I, I love what you guys have done as far as engaging them on, you know, some of these um, sort of the brands within a brand, right? You know, the, the work on number four, the work on number three and, and telling a story through, you know, a creative approach to why those courses are different and what makes them unique and, I, you know, I would love to kind of just get your take on, on how that has played out, you know, for your guests and for those that are there, you know, again, you talk about trying to always bring something new. Those sometimes can be areas that are not as, uh, as intensive as redoing an entire golf course, but <laughs> can have a pretty large effect too. Indeed. I'm glad you mentioned that. They, they, uh, you know, we met probably f- five years ago and, uh, they were doing one of their, their gatherings of, of their guys and they, they wanted to come play. Uh, I think, I guess they were coming to play the cradle. So maybe it wasn't five years, maybe it was four years and uh, got in touch with, with us. And, and I remember sitting out on the deuce patio, having a drink with Ian and Harrison and the guys. And, and I was just, you know, it, it was amazing to see, you know, uh, to me, they were much younger than our normal, our, our normal guest, but they were so into the history and tradition of the game and they saw all this opportunity, you know, they, they, they talked to us about, you know, logo development and, and branding on the golf courses. And, and we really did, you know, it's easy to, be, to become a little too uh, inward looking and, and everything for us was about, you know, the Piners logo and the putter boy logo. And they helped stretch our thinking a little bit to think that, you know, number four could have its own, its own branding and, and they, it was great to have an outside group that, that knows their stuff clearly and gets the, the, the tradition, but also is innovative. Um, so they pushed us and, and challenged some of our thinking to, to be a little more progressive. And, and, you know, simple little things like scorecard design and, and 
custom tees and that type of stuff. When you add it all up, it begins to make a big impact and, and begins to affect how you feel about the place. Um, another small little detail that we it really wasn't a result of them, but we began to uh, you know embrace the push cart. And uh, mm-hmm. that was that was a, a it's a subtle little thing. But when number four reopened, we decided, all right, we're going to do a pilot program and, and allow push carts on course four. And it, it went so well um, that we now have push carts on all nine of our, our you know, 18 hole courses. So, um, yeah, little little uh, talented, creative people uh, like like the Sugarloaf crowd um, can make a big impact. And it's good to see that you 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 notice what they've done. And again, it's subtle, but it. it contributes to the overall feeling that you get while you're here well and, you know I, I know you've also had engagements with other influencers and creators and and you know again bringing voices of golf's newest generation to the property and you know you had rigs from barstool up there for how many days was he up there last year 99 99 days <laughs> <That was> incredible <laughs> um you know and and the the guys from no lane up have been up there quite a bit and do a lot i you know i think all of that is really helping you know, re-inspire a new generation of people to come and inspect what's going on. And I think, again, you know, there's all they really have to do, all anyone has to do is be able to see what's happening there. Uh, and it becomes um, you know, pretty evident that it's a, a special place and one that is um, really a lot of fun for anyone, no matter you know, what age you're, you're, uh, you're never how many candles you're putting on the cake that year, but it's a, it's just a, it's really great to see. I love it. When you mentioned, uh, when you said that, it reminded me, we, the Deuce, our, our newest bar and restaurant behind the 18th hole of number two, we had uh, Tyson Lamb, who mm-hmm. got a lot of exposure for the trophy he did at Congaree mm-hmm. recently. Uh, he also designed our little, our sign. It's a, a big whiskey barrel uh, that he, he took two whiskey barrels and made an oversized one uh, with some of his great metal work. Um, and, and again, that, that's a subtle little thing, but we thought what a neat opportunity to partner with a, a talented, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call him an influencer. He's a putter maker, but, but he's, <laughs> but he's but also an influencer. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun to, to find, you know, uh, folks like that, that we can partner with. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, when you're, um, when you're not working at the resort and maybe you're just enjoying, uh, the things, you know, in the community, um, yeah. And this is me, you know, prying a little bit cause I'm, I'm working to convince my wife to move there. So, um, w- what are the other things about the, the broader community up there that you enjoy, uh, that you and your family go and participate in, or, you know, where do you spend your time? That's not necessarily on the resort property. Yeah. One of the things you don't know about me, Jay, is I'm pretty shallow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it does revolve around here, but, uh, What's been fun for me is that my 14-year-old son has now started playing the game. So I do find now that, you know, he and I are, are coming over here and we'll sneak away to the little uh, putting and chipping green by the 10th hole of Piners number two. And you can sneak down there and really not see anybody else. Or he's he's going down to the golf academy and having lessons. Um, but uh, my wife is big into the tennis scene here. So there, there's mm-hmm. a big tennis scene. The, there's, there's wonderful uh, nature areas. There's the Weymouth Woods is a, a park that my daughter and I like to go to and walk around. Um, the equestrian, if you're an equestrian person, there's quite an equestrian scene here as well in Southern Pines. Um, I've, once we opened our brewery, uh, I've started, you know, 
dabbling in in uh, the beer scene, and so we've we've also <laughs> we've got some neat places down in you know Southern Pines has a brewery, Aberdeen has a brewery. We've got some great tap rooms around town. Uh, the the food scene here has gotten really good. So, um, but we're we're for the most part homebodies, and uh, but it is it is a great place to live. There's there's uh, great families who live here. Our uh, proximity to the major army base Fort Bragg has brought a lot of, of youth into our community as well. There's a great medical center yeah. here. So, um, you know, there really, it, it, when we moved here in 1996, there were the population of Piners was probably 6,000, 7,000 people. And now we're at maybe 17,000 people. Wow. So, you know, still, still a charming little village, uh, but we're, we're growing. And, and when you add up, Southern Pines and Aberdeen, you, you quickly get up to about 50,000 people, but, um, it's, it's a, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to visit, uh, clearly. Um, and I'm always reminded when I, when I go away and, and experience the real world <laughs> in, in real cities, when I, when I go on different trips and I get to come home to Pinehurst, it, it makes me realize why you all like coming here so much <laughs> because it is an escape. It, it's a, it's a antidote to the modern world sometimes. And, uh, and we get to, we get to live in it 365 days a year. Yeah. I, uh, in, in Jim Dodson's latest book, he referred to it, you know, his life behind the pine curtain. And, uh, I thought that was a, a brilliant way to frame it. And, uh, and life behind the per- pine curtain looks pretty good from my perspective. Um, you know, maybe a, a good way to kind of wrap things up, you know, I'll, I'll ask you a question as a, as a writer, um, you know, I, you've had such a rich history of, of writers and golf personalities that have that have called that area home um is it just that level of intoxication that keeps people pulled in and uh inspires them to you know craft tales about the game and 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 sort of uh enjoy that lifestyle so much i you know i i love i love that that was a a scene here of the of the writers and and i hope that we can we can get back to it i i do believe that you know to be at Pinehurst right now is to be part of the celebration of the game of golf and, mm-hmm. and all of the, of, of us who, who know it and love it uh, want to find ways to get closer to it. And, and so you can, you know, we're, we're, we're here in the heart of North Carolina, you know, considered a remote location, but you can sit in a rocking chair on the Carolina front porch and the world of golf passes through here, you know, once every three years. Um, and so while, while we're remote, everyone comes here and makes their pilgrimage. And so you, you get to feel uh, very engaged, even though you're in a, in a, in a remote destination. And so, like I said, it, it's, there, there's so many good things happening in golf right now that, that give me great hope for the future. And, and I think all of them are happening here, <laughs> whatever they are, whether it's short course, whether it's junior golf, whether it's, you know, music, who, you name it, history, uh, we, we have a little bit of all of it. And so the game is being celebrated here every day. And, and we want people who, who want to amplify that and, and, and participate in it to come here um, and, and to be part of it. So, so I, it, let me know what I need to do with, with your wife and how, how we need to make that happen. <laughs> but, um, you know, we don't, we don't want to be all things to all people, but, you know, Golf Pride has their, their corporate headquarters here. Yeah, I saw now, it. The, yeah. now the USJ is going to be here. And so we, we do think that we've, we've got the, the beginnings of what could be a neat little microcosm of golf related 
industries and, and individuals. Um, and we want them, we want them to call Pinehurst home. So all those listeners, let's make it happen. Yeah. Well, I love it. And, uh, can't thank you enough for, uh, you know, what you do at the resort. Like I said, man, uh, you know, I, I, to take 24 people up there and, and, you know, we had a, a debrief lunch today of quite a few of us and everybody's still smiling. Uh, it was just such an, uh, exquisite experience and, and what you've done there and what the whole team is doing every day is, is wonderful. The hospitality is, uh, is top notch. And, uh, I, I, I think I enjoy having that Carolina breeze in my hair maybe a little too much, but, uh, maybe we'll get to do more of it in the future, but I appreciate your time, Tom. And, and thanks for, um, uh, having a conversation with me and I, I can't wait to get back up there and catch you walking around the property smiling again. It's, uh, it's a, a worthwhile place to be. Thank you for, for being here. It makes us proud that you guys, your, your group chose to spend your time here and it's, it's good. I've been able to see you twice this year. I, probably means I won't see you for the rest of the year in Pinehurst, but I know we'll connect somewhere some, sometime soon. Probably not, but uh, yeah, <laughs> never say never. <laughs> well, you, we'll Jeff. do it again soon, Tom. Like I said, thanks for your time and uh, uh, I'll be in touch and, and certainly we'll let you know next time uh, we turn our wheels that way. All the best. Appreciate it. All right, it. buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye.